I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. All right. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm on my second cup of coffee. We have an amazing guest that's joining us today. And Josiah, yes, we are cheersing right here. Coffee (laughs) number three might be coming sooner than we know. But Josiah, for somebody tuning in for the very first time and maybe has never heard us, heard of us, been on this podcast, do you have anything that God's been downloading to the heart today that maybe just needs a little bit of encouragement? Yeah. First of all, thanks for tuning in. Out of all the, I think of the millions of podcasts and you know all the episodes that exist, I don't think it's an accident that you're here and maybe you need um, a word of encouragement and maybe you're struggling just to hang on or wondering and asking the question, am, am I making a difference? Why am I here? And I just feel like the Lord put on my heart this morning to tell somebody that you don't need to wait until you graduate, until you get a diploma or a degree or a pastoral license, or maybe a quote unquote official title or role in ministry. Um, really the, the small act of obedience today can echo into eternity and really has the potential to make an amazing impact and a difference in your life and in the lives of others around you. And so we hope that you're going to find just a little bit of encouragement today. I know I'm looking forward to this episode. We are joined today by Dr. Alan Griffin. And Dr. Alan is the founder of Accelerate Youth. He's also a pastor and evangelist and motivational speaker. And a little bit about Accelerate Youth is a really amazing program which ministers to and mentors young adults in foster care, equipping these students with the skills and training to provide brighter futures for tomorrow's leaders. He's also, like I said, an author, evangelist, and traveling speaker. Most recently got his doctorate degree in leadership from Southeastern University. So, Alan, welcome. How are you? Man, it is good to be on here with you, Uh, guys. I'm going to tell you right now that... um, this has been a year and God is doing some great things. And so it's important that we talk about it, that we talk about the great things that are happening. And I'm excited to be a part of this podcast because it's one of the great things that comes out of us going, wait a minute, what more can I do? Thank you for doing this. This is great. Our joy. Absolutely. Well, we are thrilled to have you. I want to lean into your story and will you just start off by sharing some of your story, the journey of life, faith, leadership, and anything else with the audience this morning? Oh, man. Listen, probably one of the greatest lessons I learned, uh, my dog is going crazy right now. Bentley, you just stop that. All right. So (laughs) one of the greatest things I I learned about uh, leadership growing up was you get the anointing of the people you serve. Now, I know in ministry, we often talk about, uh, you know, hey, I want to serve somebody, and then in the end, it's going to help me. Um, What I want to say is when you serve somebody, somebody, how you serve them and what you serve them to accomplish is the download or the drip that comes before the waterfall. And if we uh, serve people who are powerful um, and that are better than us, and we're willing to admit that so many times we go, 
you know, if I had the opportunities they had, I'd be where they are. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you know, God has given us this wonderful time of being young so that we can serve people that we know are better. And when we serve them to accomplish great things, we get the drip. The drip is the concentrated uh, uh, influences, mm -hmm. the wisdom, and the concentrated power of God that allowed us to accomplish those things that flows down to us. And because of that, we are able to do great things that God has ordained, predestined, and called us to do. And uh, so I, I, I believe I'm even here today because of great people, great women, and great men that I've served in ministry. Um, uh, you know, uh, Robin and Rich Wilkerson, um, Brenda and Dave Reaver, people that I served um, from the age of 17 years old uh, wow. until I was 27, 28 years old, um, serving them. And whatever God uh, led me to do to serve them, I did it, whether it was ironing clothes in a hotel room or cleaning up uh, uh, the youth room and setting up chairs. All of it led to me being trusted to carry um, an authority that God uses to reach people. Mm -hmm. I think that's Does so that good. Yes, absolutely. When you say the word drip, I automatically think of coffee. And I think we live mm -hmm. as leaders. Sometimes we expect, we want that instant coffee. We want that instant leadership. We want that instant, yeah. that instant platform, that instant fill in the blank when it comes to the calling of God. And I just like looked it up. I was like drip coffee. That's like, that's a slow process. Like, and you said the word anointing, like it's just going to drip off the people that were how we serve others is how people may serve us someday. And right. if it's going to be with my selfish ambitions, um, serving somebody else, well, is that really building the kingdom of God? And what does that truly mean? Yeah. So I just think the different forms of leadership are so like relevant in the coffee. Like there's the pour over method, the coffee maker. We have the French press. We all go through a mm. season. Um, if we want the dripping and the anointing or some people may be, I don't want to say born into a position of uh, a family tree that has allowed them to maybe taste the instant coffee, but there's still character development needs to go into that. So when you said the word drip, I'm like, oh, I don't want to have coffee on the brain today, but this sounds <laughs> well, perfect. And I think that something that you touched on is just the kingdom concept of sowing and reaping. Right. And really yeah. the seeds of service that you sow while you're serving someone else's ministry, I believe ultimately we're going to reap as we continue and, and lead a ministry of our own someday. And I also believe that it's been taught to me that God's not going to entrust us to a ministry of our own until we serve someone else's vision. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I know that is really incredible that God's doing in you and through you and around you is the ministry of Accelerate Youth. And Dr. Allen, can you just maybe share where this idea came from and, and what you're really up to in, in the vision and mission and maybe why you do what you do with Accelerate Youth. Sure, man, it was um, 12, uh, I'm sorry, 2012. Um, God gave me a dream, literally woke me up in the middle of the night. And here's the deal, y'all, I don't dream. Okay, when I go to bed, I am <laughs> out. There's no dreaming taking place. The only dream that I'm doing is like, you know, Jesus coming back one day and candy bars. You know, it's like a weird thing. I never remember my dreams. And this, there's only been three times in my life I had a dream I remember. The first time was Godzilla. The second time was the girl math class in seventh grade. I'm not going to talk about that right now. And the third one was Accelerate. 
and Accelerate was a dream God gave me. He said, Alan, I want you to serve kids mm -hmm. that are aging out or coming of age in foster care. Young adults, they're 17, 18, 19 years old. I want you to serve the forgotten generation. And when he said that, I was at a loss for words. I'd never thought about them. I'd never considered them. Um, it wasn't like many stories of nonprofits and many stories of organizations where the, the ministry of that organization touched uh, the, the founders in some way. I, I don't have much experience in that area, but the Lord spoke to me clearly. And he said, I want you to serve them. And I asked him the most important question that any of us can ask God when God calls us to do something. Many times God will say, hey, I want you to go do this. And we go, okay, let's go. Instead of asking the most important question that it took me a minute to ask, how? God, how do you want me to serve this generation of young adults in foster care? And God said, I want you to uh, disciple them. I want you to mentor them in life skills. Um, and then I want you to give them a car so they can get to college and they can get to jobs they can move forward in their life. And so we have a, this program that was launched in less than 40 days that now is in three different states. We've put over 120 students through our program, which is 16 weeks of life skills, 16 weeks of discipleship. And when they complete that, graduate high school and begin college or full-time employment, we gift every student a well-running used car so they can get to college, they can start jobs, they can drive to church. Uh, all of us know that public transportation is not very effective in most of our cities. Mm -hmm. And so this equips them with one of the most powerful tools they need to achieve their dreams while at the same time um, allowing them to receive the greatest gift, and that is uh, hearing the gospel and responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is amazing. What an awesome thing that God has downloaded to you. And in that is naturally the package deal of like sharing faith witnessing, evangelizing, do it, doing it in a bold way, as well as being very courageous. And you have said yes to that and asking the how I think is essential because sometimes we just put the, put the cart before the horse and we're like, let's go. <laughs> like, Oh, time out. How do we do that? Who's with me? Where are we going? And who's coming with? So I guess I always have a question of why is it important that we share our faith, witness, and evangelize to those um, in a boldness and courageous spirit? Yeah. And essentially, how do we live lives of evangelism? Not just in the four walls mm -hmm. of our churches or the group or the organization that we're leading. How do we live that out in everyday life? Yeah. You know, the... I believe every gift God's given us is a tool to reach people with our message. And um, don't get it twisted. Our message is not the Bible. I know people think that the message of the church is the Bible. The message of the church is my story. It's going out and, and remembering you are the church. So the message of the church is my story. The method of the church is the Bible, but the message right off the bat is I once was blind, but now I see, or I used to be a jerk and now I'm kind. Why? Jesus, that's my story. And when we share our story everywhere we go creatively, remembering that whether you're called to uh, do something in elect as an electrician, you're called to do something as a contractor, you're called to do something as a swimming pool maintenance manager, whatever it is, that God has called you to do, that is a post 
where which we share our story. And the gospel in evangelism is simply this, using the creative opportunities that come to us because of gifts, talents, and, and abilities to share the story of how God has changed your life. And then when people hear that story and they say, well, how do I live that life? Now we bring them the Bible. It's our method. It's our way. It's the truth. It's the light, right? No man comes to the Father but through Jesus, the Word. But we must first share our story. I think we get it backwards. Like somehow we think that people are going to hear the Word without hearing a testimony. And the Bible simply says that we will overcome revelation by the blood of the Lamb. That's the forgiveness of Jesus and the word of our testimony, because it is that one thing that no one can truly argue or fight. And so whatever and wherever you're called to serve, that post is a powerful microphone that will project your voice if you tell the truth. Don't just be honest. You know how I feel today? I feel like my neck hurts. That's being honest. The truth is zero to Jesus. You know what? Man, my neck hurts, but I was praying this morning about God healing, not just me, but the people that are dealing with physical pain today. Maybe you're dealing with it. Can I pray for you? Yeah. See, there's a difference, and we must maximize those opportunities. And I think that is the most important thing um, about our faith is that we share it in real time. Mm -hmm. In in the day-to-day -day struggles, in the day-to-day -day victories, we share it everywhere we are. That's amazing to just live lives of evangelism, to look for those opportunities that are in front of us every day, everywhere we go, and just to look at every opportunity is potentially a divine opportunity, a divine appointment. And um, Alan, I remember in probably 2008, 2009, being a high school student, going to Lake Geneva, hearing you preach. Uh-oh. I, um, I remember then 2010, 2011, our paths crossed in my uh, in chapel at North Central University and also in our youth homiletics class, which was preaching to youth. And <laughs> I wanted oh, to no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I still remember you sharing about the method of narrative preaching and how this connects with the next generation. And um, I just look at like, I want to pick your brain for a second on the idea of the next generation. And can you talk for a minute about your thoughts on the importance of involving the next generation in the lifeblood of the church, um, not just in maybe camps or retreats, as great as those things are, or youth yeah. or young adult ministries, as great as those things are, but just the importance of involving the next generation in the church as a whole. That's good. Wow. That, oh, that's so good. Um, I'll tell you right now, um, our program that was launched just from my wife and I laying in bed and God, you know, gives me this dream. I wake my wife up, poor lady, and start sharing with her um, what God showed me, which by the way, he'd already shared with her. She was just waiting for the knucklehead to catch up. <laughs> and, and it's so crazy that from the very beginning, I knew something and, and it's because of the mentoring that I've had in my life um, from a great man, a guy named Rich Wilkerson. Um, you know, he said, if you're going to accomplish anything that requires work, you have to have young leaders with you wow. serving alongside you. And at no part or no time in my life have I had young leaders that served under me. 
nearly every time they served with me, alongside me. Mm-hmm. From, the, from the very first moment we launched Accelerate, um, I called a 24-year-old young man. I said, listen, I, I need your help. I need you to help me create a program that doesn't exist. So the first thing we need to know about uh, ministry in the church is if we want to do something that's innovative, that's creative, that's going to make a difference, we have to grab young leaders because young leaders have the free mind to imagine what life could be like with this new entity, with this new opportunity, and with this new dream. Elder Elders are powerful at influencing, encouraging, and building. Wow. But young people are powerful in strengthening and marketing and reaching and seeing. Um, often I think about the uh, visible light spectrum when it comes to young adults. And if you're a pastor right now, I don't care if you are a 22-year-old church planter, hear me right now, Even or you're a 107-year-old pastor, there is visible light and there's non-visible or invisible light. And young leaders have the power to see the invisible spectrum quite easily. And when they see this invisible light spectrum, they will attract and draw in people that you as the the primary leader don't or cannot see. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, your leadership team will have an effective reach. It will have a spectrum of reach. But if all we do is attract people who look like us, act like us, eat like us, drink like us, talk like us, go the places we go, do the things we do, the spectrum of our leadership will be narrow Hmm. and we'll miss out the opportunity to truly reach the people that God has called us to reach. And so when I grabbed these young people and I said, hey, I, I need to launch this program and I need you, guess what happened? Young people attracted more young people and the young people in the Accelerate program, the foster students, they want to hear from people who are just a couple of years beyond them. Right. How did you get there? I don't have parents. I don't have people that cared about me enough that I didn't end up in the foster care system. So how did you overcome? Because if I'm going to do anything with my life, I've got to be more like you, not like 48-year-old Alan. I want to be like 26-year-old you. I want to be like 20 three-year-old you. Um, and I can see that mm-hmm. where I can't see 20 years from now, but I can see four years from now. I can see two years from now. It was an unintended, beautiful consequence of including a generation whose desire is not just to do work, mm-hmm. but to do work that matters. So true. Oh my gosh. I was just talking to my brother-in-law like last week and He's amazing at what he does. And he was just asking me about like, Josiah, I, I know that I have skills that can make me money. And I talk to a lot of people who are in this boat that they're like, yeah, I'm doing a job and it pays the bills or I'm actually growing in my income. But where I really want to grow is in my impact. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I just think that what you said right there is so significant for us to recognize is that money may not be the motivator that we think it is but making a difference is a huge desire of millennials, of Generation Z, yeah. and of really the, the demographic of young people that we're talking about ministering to is they're motivated by the intrinsic need to extrinsically make a difference. Yeah. That's right. 
as many of the listeners too, that they are taking over ministries. God is downloading similar or very different dreams um, of how to reinvent something or how to invent something that's never happened, how to approach ministry in a new way, how to be able to pivot and transition well. And um, I was just curious if you would be willing to share, Josiah and I, we pioneered something from nothing. And some people in the ministry are starting something in their church or sharing with their pastors, literally having meetings saying, hey, I'm passionate about young adults. I am a young adult. Where do I start? And I would just be curious to ask, Will you just share about your passionately pioneering something out of nothing? You kind of touched a little bit on that, but maybe just both your experience with this and your insight for the listener who may be following God's call and trying to discover maybe the how, like totally what in the world do I do next? Here's this dream. How do I put hands and feet to it? <laughs> you know, the, the first thing that um, happened with me, uh, dreaming up an idea was everything that, that I've done leading up to this point in my ministry into my life led to this uh, uh, launching, led to this something out of nothing. Uh, much like you, Micah, what you've done till now led to what you're doing right now. Right. And so um, the first thing I would tell people is you got to win where you are, first of all. Good. God does not move you from glorious defeat to glorious defeat. He moves you from glorious victory to glorious victory. And so if you have a pattern of, of not achieving or failing at what you've been trying to accomplish or going and bouncing from opportunity to opportunity, it's not because you haven't found the right opportunity. It's because you haven't been sowing in the field. You've been uh, raking the field. You have been uh, you know, picking weeds, but you haven't been sowing. And so what I'd say to you is, so now, so quickly, so as fast as you can, serve as hard as you can right now, because God doesn't move you from defeat to victory. He moves you from victory to victory. And so um, that's the first step. And once you find that God has given you favor and victory where you are, then you're going to find that the next stage, the next moment is him giving you an insight. Something's missing. Something needs to be done. Something needs to be added. Mm -hmm. At that moment, because you've seen success, you know that if you put your mind to it, not only do you think you can do it, but you know it's possible and you can do it. Now, when you launch into the service of this new project, this new idea, you have no recourse other than success. You mm -hmm. have no, there's no going back. You have burned your, you know, your, your boat, you, you're not going back. There's no way. That's what it takes to start something out of nothing is I'm not going to fail because I don't know how to fail. I don't have any practice in failing. Wow. I've never seen anyone go from um, half-hearted to victory. Wow. Never. Right. It's always, I'm going to give everything I have when I'm serving this guy. I'm going to give everything I have when this woman comes and asks me for help. And when it's my time, I don't even know what it's like to quit. If you have no hope in your life of quitting, you're going to make it. And you're, whatever you're dreaming up is going to be successful. If quitting has been an option before, mm -hmm. you're going to struggle. And you're going to continue to ask people, why is this happening to me? Why does this have to be so hard? Mm -hmm. Every one of us asks that question. But not every one of us has a history of completion. 
And when you complete things, it becomes a habit that you can't stop. Oh my gosh. I've really never heard it put that way. Phenomenal. Because I think that what you're talking about is reality that the grass looks greener in so many different pastures and it's easy in today's world in six weeks time to move from thing A to option B and then to check out this next opportunity on LinkedIn or to get this email or to get that DM. And really, like you said, move from thing to thing to thing. And I think that man, it's so significant to stay faithful, to serve passionately, to leave nothing on the field, to hold nothing back, to expend every ounce of of resources and to Mm -hmm. leverage every connection. And I think that when God calls us, that's, that's the price. Like things of great value are worth a high cost. Right. And so Well, I also think of like, there's no book that I've ever seen on a shelf when I go to Barnes and Noble or a library of how to fail in life. Like you don't come across books of how to fail. It's like how to succeed, how to hear the voice of God, how to, how to pray. That's the number one search engine thing is how do I pray? You know, so you look at things coming up on Google, people want to succeed in life, even if they are not the most motivated, even if they don't know how to be motivated, but hopefully that we are all leaders listening and tuning and leading in what you start is what you finish. And that's definitely how I grew up. And, um, so we started this time with you and we want to finish this time with you. Well, (laughs) Dr. Allen, we've come to our favorite part of the episode Uh where we have five in five. So fun. So this is five questions in five minutes, rapid fire. Do you think you can do it? Yes, I'm ready. Bring on the challenge. All right. You want to guess? We or you? Uh, go. Okay. Ladies first. Ladies first. All right. Question number one: If you could describe your soul in the season right now, what three words would you use to describe it? Three different words or a three-word statement? Ooh. Three different words. Is that harder? Okay. <laughs> no, that's that's good because I had so many. I was like, oh, oh my goodness. Okay. First of all, I'm hungry. Um. I am hungry. I, I finished my doctorate and I thought I would be done with books and not wanting to read, but now I'm reading two books a week on my own. I'm hungry. I want more. Um, I'm thirsty. Jesus said, my hunger, my thirst is to do the will of him who sent me. And I'm so thirsty that someone out there that, that is waiting for a creative opportunity or so for me to come up with a new way to serve them, I'm thirsty that I will continue to innovate for God and with God. Um, and finally, I'm tired. And what I love about that is this. The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And I'm so glad that God doesn't leave me alone when I'm tired. But he says that he will strengthen me in the scriptures, that he will bear me up on, on eagle's wings. And so I know that if I work hard every day, I'll be tired. And tired is good. And being weary is good. And all I have to do every day is just rest in his arms. And that's what. Uh, my three words. Those are amazing words. It leads me to the second question, which is off script, but for the young leader who is really thirsty, for the young leader listening right yeah. now, who's a learner, who's really hungry for more of God's face, not just his hand, for more right. of God's mm-hmm. presence, to know him deeper and to drink deeply. Um, yes. What would you say to that person right now? Oh my goodness. The best way to be filled is to talk to God, pray, read, but one more thing, meditate. 
sit in God's presence, close your eyes, deep breathe, relax, and remember you are God's favorite. Remember that God loves you, that God is passionate about you. Think about it like this. He's so cool and loves you so much. He sings love songs to you. That's amazing. And sometimes we never listen for the song. Sit back and listen for the song he's singing to you. That's great. All right. Question number three. Here's a curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question today, what would you ask us? This keeps us on our toes. It does. Oh, this is good. How did you meet? Ooh. Okay. One, I'll share this. I had a dream about Josiah before I met him. We I had never met. I lived in North Dakota. I said, Lord, I've been praying for my husband for three years, praying and fasting 40 days on 40 days off. What? I said, Lord, when I go to bed tonight, I want to see his face. And I went to bed. I had a dream of this person on this uh, bridge. He had a black twins, black on black hat, a black jacket on dimple in his chin, bright blue eyes. There was like a city in the background. And, um, um, he said in the dream, he said, Micah, I love you. And I woke up and I was so mad because I'm like, Lord, I don't even know anybody who looks like that. And then God <laughs> lovingly corrected me. He goes, Micah, what have you been praying for? Do you want what I have for you? And I'm like, yeah, what would you have for me? I'm like, well, if he's not here, obviously this is not in Bismarck, North Dakota. This is this sight line. So take me to him if that's your will. That was in April of 2014. August, I moved here saying never going back to school, never um, living downtown Minneapolis, never, you know, all these nevers. And third week of August, I was living downtown. I was enrolled in school and somebody <laughs> knew that I liked to run. And they said, Hey, Mike, I'll take you to this bridge. Here it was a stone arch bridge in downtown Minneapolis. And I just stopped and froze. And I'm like, He's here. Like God, God said, I will bring him to you in my time. So then I walked in church the first week of October of 2014. And I saw him because I said, Lord, I want to know the face of this church. I want to know worship. I want to know the heart of the church. Tell me what service to go and tell me what section to sit in. Him and another gentleman were the first, Micah Mack, were the first two people I met when I walked through those doors. And my side of this That's how is, I know. My side That's of this incredible. Is, I was just single in ministry, leading the young adults at Cedar Valley Church, a church that you spoke at often and continue yeah. to speak at often. And um, a pretty young lady just walks into the, the room and we started serving like, together. Hey. Uh, we were friends for a <laughs> he year. He was like, oh, heck no. He ran the other way. He was scared. I was like, Lord, in your time, expose the fact that you've shown me him. Amen. And it's amazing, you know, <laughs> process of friendship for a year, dating for a year, engagement three months, yeah. and now three and a half years of marriage. So yeah. that's awesome. That's how we met through a dream and a vision oh, that I hung on to and just got in your time, in your time, in your time. And if he's not the one, I got to move on. <laughs> that's so, right. So <laughs> back to that you. for a year right there. Yeah, see? Good. <laughs> oh my, oh my gosh. So how about this question four of five for you in this five and five is, would you be willing to share maybe about one mistake that you've made in life, in ministry, in family, whatever direction you want to go and what God taught you in that process? Oh, I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, I think what, you know, one of the things we do wrong is not talk about our mistakes. Um, so I, I'll say this. Um, there was a time when I was, um, establishing our program and I had a group of young leaders and I was not uh, communicating effectively my vision I was not effectively communicating their positions and and helping them understand their value 
And it, it, you know, as a leader, we think sometimes, oh man, of course you know this. Of course you know how I feel about you. Of course you know the vision I have for you mm-hmm. within this organization. And I've learned that if we're not constantly communicating that, um, if we're not doing it to the point of, of being just exhausted communicating it, we're not communicating it. And so being tired means I'm chasing after something important. So being tired is important. Um, being exhausted with something or exhaustive with something is important because if I'm exhaustive with it, you just might be doing it enough, right? Sharing the vision. Um, and so what happened is we had this moment of division, of incredible conflict, where it looked like this whole organization that we'd launched and been going now almost two years was about to fall apart because I wasn't communicating the vision and my desire and my, my plan for my team. And so I had to really, really, really back up and sit down with my, my young leaders and talk to them um, and apologize. And I mean, I just apologized again um, just a, a week ago about a feeling that was still permeating from then. So imagine this is still happening six or seven years later. And so it's important that we exhaustively not only share what we want to see, but share how that it, uh, impacts those who serve and how that vision includes them. And when do you think they're going to leave? When do you think they need to step up? Say it. Even if you're not sure, tell them everything. Too much information is not enough. We have to be exhaustive. That's so good. Okay, the last and final question to wrap us up today. If you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with this morning? Wow. Um, I would say the word I would would give to you, um, leaders, young adults and leaders, um, is intention. (coughs) Excuse me. I think many, many times in my life, in other people's lives, we get caught up in so many difficult things mm-hmm. uh, because we go into opportunities with the wrong intentions. Here's an example. When you turn on your television, what's your intention? If you, if you turn on the TV and you go, you know what? I'm going to spend an hour watching the news. What do you intend to benefit watching the news? So two years ago, three years ago, oh, no, no, now it's been five years. Wow. Five years ago, I stopped watching the news because I realized that when I watch the news, I get frustrated and I would be kind of tick, ticked off all the time. And I was like, that's not even who I am. My intention is to be a happy, joyful person. Maybe when you go on social media, your intention is to find out what the other guy's doing. I want to see what she's doing because whatever she's doing, I'm ticked off because I could be doing that. And we get caught up in so much junk that we don't need. Right. And so our intentions are so important. Um, people try to reach out to me on social media. I'm the worst person to reach out to on social media. I post all the time, but my intention is to share my message of Jesus and hope and love and happiness. It's not to find out what other people are doing so I can be frustrated with them. And so um, our intentions mean a lot. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It just means I've figured me out in 48 years a little bit. I think intentions are huge, y'all. And if we will examine why we're doing things that we're doing, we might uncover why we're not being as successful right now where we are. 
Man, what a great encouragement to just leave the listener with today to examine your intention, to have a moment of reflection of what am I thinking about? Why am I thinking about it? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And what's the heartbeat motivation or intention behind it? So Alan Griffin, thank you so much for a great conversation on Young Adults Today podcast. Yay. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. This is fun. Amazing. And for the listener, you can find out more about Pastor Alan Griffin and Accelerate Youth when you connect with us on our website at youngadults.today, as well as across social media is at youngadults.today. You can follow along for the journey. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Right now. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.